0: In my old age, I've seen a lot of things. Some things I'm a little more proud of than others. As a boy, there wasn't a damn thing that could satiate my appetite for the world around me. Everything in reach I had to get my hands on, take it apart, and study it. My natural curiosity is what got me into the many scraps and situations of my youth. I remember when I wasn't any older than six. It was the fall of 1928. Me and several of the local boys were out playing a game of hide and seek. Denny Lewis was the seeker, and a damn good one at that. So I took it upon myself to find a damn good hiding place. I remembered the hayloft out in our barn, and I figured I could hide myself among the many bales of hay up there. Maybe even push some of those bales around me like I'd done times before when I wanted to build a fort and get myself a perfect hiding spot. Denny started counting out loud from a hundred and I took off a running to the barn, the breeze tickling my cheeks and smelling like the harvest. I ran through those big red doors and my eyes fell on Danny Lewis's mama laying on the ground straw in her hair and her dress hiked up with my daddy laying on top of her looking like he was trying to pick himself up but he seemed to be having a bit of trouble I have no idea what I was seeing but I would later learn all about what my daddy was doing when I was 14 when me and Sandra Hannigan made our way up into that same hayloft that I had hidden so many times and made so many forts in To get out of the rain She took the water from that beautiful blazing red hair of hers And noticed my eyes stuck on her nipples Poking out like little buttons in the cold, wet air There in the smell of the spring rain and old horse shit I made love for the first time Beautiful girl she was Daddy? A little voice rung out Echoing off the dusty wooden walls My old man turned and stared at me, like he'd been caught dipping his hands into the honey pot, and for lack of better words, that's exactly what he was doing. He hoisted himself off Mrs. Louise and made his way over to me. What you doing in here, son? He spoke slowly and calmly. We was playing hide-and-seek, Daddy. I was gonna go hide up in the loft. Yeah? Well, you ain't gonna tell nobody about what you saw here rat boy i could hear the anger rising up in his voice but i kept on pushing it like the curious little boy that i was well what's exactly was you doing daddy he just stared at me his eyes slowly growing darker in the brightness of that fall day mrs louise still a ways behind him was up on her feet straightening her dress and picking bits of straw from her long golden hair. I was too busy looking at Mrs. Louise to notice that my daddy meandered his way over to the wall where he kept the tools and picked out a heavy, dirt-crusted shuffle. "'You ain't gonna be telling nobody, right, boy?' He repeated in that slow and calm way he always spoke when he was angry. But me being the stupid child I was... I just kept right on prying. Daddy, what was... I didn't have a chance in the world to ask before the side of my right cheek exploded with pain as I fell to the ground in a pathetic bundle. My vision went white hot. All noise became muffled as the world suddenly got sucked into a vacuum. What I could hear seemed distant, ghostly even, I could hear Mrs. Louise screaming her pretty head off, and strangely, the long, low whistle of a train in the distance. Whether it was my imagination or not, I do not know. But I've learned in life that there are no coincidences. I heard that whistle as clear as I could hear Mrs. Louise screaming. Sandra Hannigan's soft, whispering moans as a thunder rumbled across the gray spring sky, and my father's harsh labored breathing as he stood over me brandishing his shovel, as if it was Excalibur. I heard that train. Lord help me. I had heard it. You ain't gonna be telling nobody. You hear? Daddy? I... Another explosion erupted as my father brought the shovel down onto my exposed chest. I heard several pops and cracks echoing throughout my body. I held my small arms up in defense, but they were crumpled like paper by the force of his blow. I dared to raise my hands up for protection again, only to see my fingers crooked and bloody. Mrs. Louise was no longer screaming, but babbling on like she'd seen a ghost. My father turned to her and waved his weapon. shut up, bitch. Why don't you shut the fuck up? He yelled, his voice like that of an angry god. And while he was distracted, I tried to crawl away. My crushed fingers clawing at the straw and earth, pulling myself to freedom. It was all for naught, though as my father grabbed me by the leg and threw me towards the ladder to the loft. He's just a boy, Clay, he's just a boy, Mrs. Louise kept muttering. He didn't do nothing wrong. I said, shut up. He spoke again with that godlike force and he swung the shovel down on me again. I heard a very loud crack, almost like lightning skimming across the sky. Very faintly, I heard the train's whistle again, that loud, shrill pitch in the distance. He flipped me over onto my back and spoke again. Are you going to be telling anyone about this boy? His voice had calmed down, but there was a deep anger there, calm and intense. I felt one of my teeth fall to the back of my throat. A small fountain of vomit and blood gushed from my mouth as I tried to cough it up. I feebly turned my head and spit it out. No, Daddy. I ain't telling nobody. Good. My father tossed his shovel aside, scooped me up in his arms, and carried me like I was just a baby. His voice had flipped to that of genuine concern, like any good father's voice. You okay, boy? took a mighty big fall off of that ladder right Janice he turned to Mrs. Louise still holding me in his arms her face burning from tears she only nodded rapidly why yes yeah are you okay Daniel are you okay sweetie she rushed over and ran her shaking hands across my tiny battered face my father pushed me into her arms now you take him up to the house and into his bed tell martha what happened okay i'll go to town and get a doctor quickly now mrs louise pulled me even closer and ran to the house to get my mother to put me down and be comfortable until the doctor came before i blacked out i remember mrs louise running across the field to my house the smell of the harvest filling my nostrils Mrs. Louise quietly muttering how sorry she was. And in the distance, my eyes caught the slowly moving shape of a black train. Smoke pluming from the engine. The slow chug, chug, chug of the wheels. And the horrible shriek of the whistle calling me to darkness. The doctor came and went, but I had no idea. I was unconscious the entire time. A broken hip, three broken ribs, one dislocated, a cracked skull, two missing teeth, four broken fingers, one broken wrist, and miles and miles of bruises. Other bits of damage appeared over time. I lost hearing and most of the sight out of my right side of my face. On a good day, I can say I had plenty of them. I had a slight limp, but on a bad day, I was practically a cripple. My left hand froze up sometimes. Couldn't move my fingers worth the damn, but I got along fine with my condition. My father was never found out, and the fact that Mrs. Louise never came back around the house only meant she would never speak about it. We all just sort of went on with life. I lived as best I could for ten years before I heard the whistle again. Now, it wasn't uncommon to see or even hear a train near the farm. Hell, there was a track not more than a mile from my front door. But this train was different. The whistle didn't sound right. It was like a dying rabbit, nails against a chalkboard and steam spewing out of a kettle all rolled into one. It's like that sound pierces through you and sends shivers to your very bones. Not a pleasant feeling, in other words. I was 16 and living like my fathers before me, working my hands to leather in the earth. I'd spent time at what my wife would later refer to as Hick School, but I soon left after my teacher figured that I was unteachable. I wasn't unteachable, though, I would just rather have had spent my time reading or taking something apart or going somewhere I'd never been before the world was my playground and I wanted to play the thought of leaving my mother alone with my father scared me though I owed it to her to stay around to try to protect her and what my father did to me was only the tip of the iceberg compared to all the things he did to my mother I remember laying up at night, hearing them fighting, my father's booming voice broken up only by the reality, cracking sound of broken glass, or the cool, clean sound of flesh-on-flesh contact. My mother would be in the kitchen the next day with a few new bruises, maybe a cut or two, but she never complained. It was plain for everyone to see but they never paid it any mind. That's just how things were. I remember it was a pleasant enough summer night. A little humid, but that's as nitpicking. I spent most of the night out on the porch watching the stars and listening to the creatures of the night as they went about their business. Occasionally, I found myself glancing out to the barn. It stood there like a mausoleum in the pale moonlight. An effigy to many things. Pain, lost love, hard work and my family who died on this land before me. My mind wandered to memories of Sandra Hannigan. God rest her soul. Memories of the shovel bearing down on me like a locomotive bears down on those endless steel tracks. My mind liked to wander whether or not I wanted to take the ride. Always has, always will. I remember my father driving up in his truck. The bastard was swerving horribly. Obviously, he had indulged to his heart content on Jimmy McCruder's personal moonshine. What burns blues and makes your blues go away, boy, he would always say. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do i even say other than hey (sighs) well that's why they're introducing an all new bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier starting the chat better and dating safer they've changed so you don't have to download the new bumble now i knew he'd be in a fighting mood and instinctively made me go to my room. Before I could even reach the stairs, I heard his voice dripping with that damned white lightning. "'Martha, Martha, you come here and welcome me home like a good wife should,' he shouted in a slurred fashion. The ceramic jug in his hand spilled the foul liquid onto the floor. My mother promptly came up from the cellar without a word and greeted him to his liking. A kiss on the lips and the removal of his coat. As she turned to put his coat on the hook, he reached out and began to grope her. My mother, I will admit, was an attractive woman, but years of beatings had slowly taken the brightness from her eyes, the skip in her step, and the song on her lips. We made quick eye contact, but just a brief moment said it all. Go to bed, sweetie. Maybe it won't be so bad tonight, just go to bed. But like most of the nights, it was the same. Her giving in to this predator and his sexual advances just to keep him happy. She suffered through it in silence. God, the things she did to provide for me. I pray every day that she's smiling down on me while he's rotting in hell. But my mind quickly wandered back to Sandra Hannigan. Did she suffer in silence? Did she let him take her every night? Or did she kick and scream and bite until she was too tired to go on? I don't know. I can't say. God rest her soul as I pray she fought back. I climbed the stairs to my room, trying to block out the labored breathing of my drunken father and the cold, complacent whimpers of my mother. Laying in bed I tried to nod off and sleep, just so it can all happen again tomorrow. Soon sleep found me and I dreamed, a dream that haunted me for years, always picking up on new details along the way. My father standing above me with his shovel, staring at me with all the fury of God, his eyes black as black can be the shovel coming down and I close my eyes in fear only to open them to see Sandra Hannigan before me her beautiful smooth skin now wormy and rotting her hair still crimson as fresh blood and a deep black line ran along her neck too horrid to look at but I can't look away She hikes up her tattered yellow dress and reveals the further decay of what once was a wonderful sight. She speaks to me, her voice as crisp and clear as it was that day. You love me, don't you, Daniel? All the while, the slow, methodical chug, chug, chug of a train, Sandra opens her mouth, Her cheeks tearing wide open into a disgusting skeletal smile to speak once more. Only her voice isn't there. Only a sound that pierces right through you. Chilling you to the bone. Scratching at your soul. A whistle. I woke up. Sweating bullets and soaking my shirt and underwear. But it wasn't the dream that woke me up horrible as it was no it was the rumbling in my stomach for a release i didn't need to be told twice before i swiftly jumped out of bed slipped on a pair of trousers and descended the stairs quite quickly nearly tripping on the last step in the dark i could see my father asleep in his armchair in the family room his jug tipped over empty and bone dry The moonlight shone through the window and I could see a line of drool falling from the corner of his open mouth, his head tilted back in the way he always slept when he was in that chair. I quickly shoved on my shoes, rushed through the front door, off to the tiny little shed far from the house. The grass swishing underneath my feet and the wind cooled the sweat on my body. I reached the outhouse flung the door open and squat down on the splintery seat without a second thought. There were always stories of porcupines getting their way into the outhouses and gnawing on seats for the salt from the sweat and such, but I could say I never did see a porcupine. A raccoon did get in once, Well, that poor thing fell into the hole and drowned in the shit and piss of a small farming family. It's kinda sad, really. That was years ago when that hole had been long buried. I let myself relax and let the body do what it is trained to do in that type of situation. I nearly nodded off in the smelly little shack, but something jolted me off my seat. A whistle. Low and hot at first, but it grew into a cacophony like hundreds of screaming voices. quickly cleaned myself up and hurried outside and there it was in the moonlight not too less than a mile from where i stood just sitting there on the tracks which wouldn't have been too uncommon except there was no switching station out there just open land and those endless steel tracks Now, like I said before, I was a curious boy, and obviously something that had been haunting me for ten years was well worth a look. I broke into a run, the excitement and fear gripping my heart. I wanted to turn back to the house and tell myself I'm just dreaming, but my feet kept moving. Thank God for the moon that night. You could see for miles. And as I got near to that damn thing, The darker it got, the smoke from the engine creeping into the sky and blotting out the light, the bright diamonds in their satin cloth began to disappear too. I stopped, only briefly, panting and sweating. I looked up only to find myself right there next to it. It was unlike any train I'd ever seen before. It was black all over so black it hurt my eyes to look at it directly for too long. It was also very noticeably darker right next to the massive machine, like it was devouring the light that got near it. Most trains that come through were freight trains, carrying coal and such to parts unknown, but this, well, this was a passenger train. The interior of the cab is brightly lit, revealing its deep red color scheme. And the people? Oh god, the people in the windows. Each one of them just sat there, emotionless, unmoving like statues of some lost civilization. I tried working my way to the front of the thing. Each car the same, filled sparsely with unknown, unmoving faces. One or two passengers did turn to look out their windows at me, only to return to their original position. Their eyes gray and sad. I kept on walking my way to the engine, till it caught my eye in one of the windows. It was my father. I wasn't sure at first, but it had to be. It was my daddy. Daddy? i yelled out but he didn't turn to look hey daddy hey daddy i saw that the entrance to the car was wide open the light spilling out onto the land i had to get in that car i mean why was he on there i thought to myself what the hell is going on i hoisted myself up onto the metal steps into the car only to be knocked on my back by a black mass that smelled of oil and smoke. I looked up to see a man standing there, soot-stained overalls, greasy white hair jutting out from under his conductor's cap. He stared at me intently, before a smile cracked his lips. You ain't getting on, boy. His voice was flighty and uneven. High pitched yet low and grumbly at the same time You ain't got no ticket <laughs> His laugh unnerving Like the sound of crunching bugs under your boot Why you wantin' to get on anyways, for boy? His smile still beamed at me A strange skeletal smile Wide and menacing I found myself reverting back to that scared little boy in the barn ten years ago my, my daddy's on there. I, well, I gotta talk to him. He just bellowed that laugh of his. Oh boy. Well, lots of people's daddies be on this train. No ticket. No ride. Ha <laughs> ha. He clapped his gloved hands together. Black dust puffing out. P- please, I, no ticket, boy. No ride. His voice becoming angry. And that's when I truly saw him. His skin pale and free of any sort of blemish. And his eyes, well, they were on fire. Glowing orange like the coals that moved his train. Those fiery coal eyes burned right through me. You gotta get out of here, boy. Now don't you come back till he got yourself a ticket. His teeth, they were jagged and pointed like dog's teeth. And I ain't afraid to say I was scared. In fact, well, I pissed myself right then and there. He just laughed that crunchy laugh of his. Diamond, pearl, opal, and jade. Ha, ha, ha. He turned and slammed shut the doors behind him. And soon enough, the pistons started their slow chug, chug, chug. Smoke billowing out the engine. Well, it smelt like rotten eggs and bloated summer roadkill. I still lay there in my own filth, watching the black train slowly pull away. The conductor stuck his head out of the engine booth and yelled back to me over the locomotive. Maybe next time, eh hey, Danny boy? He said, his eyes burning bright as ever. He laid on the whistle. Close up? Well, I could truly hear the sound. It was the screaming. Melting steel and burning souls screaming into the night. I only watched as the train pulled away. The screaming black behemoth riding the endless steel tracks. I walked home, shaken, scared. Questioning whether or not I am truly dreaming. Or if this is all just a nightmare. The moon was back out and shining in all its glory. Stars sparkled in the dark folds of the night sky. Finally reaching home, I numbly pushed the front door open. It groaned in protest, but I paid it no mind. I trudged into the family room, figuring my father would be gone. But there he is, still sitting there. I quickly crossed over to him, my hands shaking as I touched his face. It was a cold. I saw that it wasn't drool that dribbled out from his lips, it was vomit. My father was dead to the world, drowned in his own sick. I saw the devil that night. He took my father with him on a slow, screaming ride to hell. That funeral was unlike any other, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. A man was buried on holy ground, but nobody but me and my mother ever knew that I was no man, but a monster. I remember how she looked when they lowered him into the cold, hard earth. She had this little smile on her face. No tears, no anguish. Just the little smile. She was free. And then a few years later, she sold that farm. I want to go to the city, I'll leave this all behind, she would say. I didn't blame her. I was glad to leave, but I admit I did miss the place once we were gone, and I knew she did too. It was a quiet life, a fine life, but she couldn't stand to be in a house where memories ran rampant and hid in every corner and shadow whispering to her, reminding her of my father. It was 1942. The world was at war and I couldn't do nothing but work building bits and pieces for guns and tanks. Being partially crippled, I was F4. I could only hear about how all my friends I had growing up went over to fight for liberty and came back in boxes. Well, I suppose I was lucky on that part. My mother took up a job in the same munitions plan as me. Propaganda at its best, I suppose. It put a smile on her face, and that's all I needed to know. It was a good thing. Well, we'd been living with her mother in Boston, and life was fine indeed. I liked my grandmother well enough, but she always looked at me like I was a leper. She saw too much of my father in me, I suppose. She hated him for what he did to my mother. The beatings were a secret, but she hated my father for taking my mother away. A soldier returns from war and knocks up a pretty young woman with the whole world in front of her, steals her back to his home where the fruit of several steamy nights ends up dying in its sleep. My sister didn't get much of a chance at the world, but I sure did. She resented me for everything that I represented. A horny farmer turned soldier it wasn't until i started to bring claire around that she started to warm up to me a little more and maybe granny was finally seeing i wasn't my father or maybe she was just going senile i do not know i can't say that i didn't love claire well she was a wonderful woman but i do know that i saw a hell of a lot of sandra in her That blazing crimson hair of hers and those deep green eyes? Maybe it was me mourning for a lost love. Or guilt for never stealing Sandra away from her life. Six feet of rope. Funny how something so seemingly average could remove someone from your life. I love Sandra. I did. And so did her daddy. In fact, a little too much she was probably praying that i'd come to her window at night and steal her away like romeo and juliet she had something inside of her something horrible something god forgot about she wanted it to be something beautiful and it could never be as such poor sandra god rest her soul i loved her but i loved claire too Maybe not in a V1, in a truly hopeless, romantic way, but well, I loved her all the same. Claire and I were married at a lovely ceremony in 1945. The war was over, our boys were coming home, and the world began to get even more scared of itself. The Reds were everywhere, and they started saying, I don't know, men were men but it's their toys that always end up hurting them. I found work as a mechanic and Clara was teaching. Money was tight, but we didn't complain. We had an apartment to live in and each other, and we didn't need to worry about much else until one day I got home from the shop and she was waiting for me. Hey, sweetheart. I cooed into her ear as I kissed the back of her neck like I always did when I got home. I'm late. What? I'm late. Well, I don't know what you mean. She took my hand and placed it on her belly. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. What you mean? Yes. She was trying to hold back her tears and smile, but they broke through anyway. I'm going to be a... uh Uh-huh. My son was born December 20th, 1949 the most beautiful baby boy if I ever did see one William Hudson Bronson well he took after me just as I had taken after my father I was determined to make him have all the things I never could but money was tight before and it wasn't getting any better my grandmother had died two years prior to the birth and my mother was living all alone but she delighted in seeing her little Billy B as she called him Over whenever dropped by. She loved him with all her might. I did me well to see her so happy. Billy had just turned one when I got the news that our old home was back on the market. My mother handed me a check that had all the money she had been saving for the last ten years. She told me it would be a good home. Return to my roots. Raise Billy like I had been raised. I didn't think that was such a good idea i just knew those memories would be waiting there for me hiding in the shadows and waiting for me to let my guard down so that they could strangle me any ghosts in that house have long left my mother would say to me it's a good life i know that life was very hard very hard at times but it's in your blood daniel you don't like being a mechanic do you Haven't you been aching to get back to the land, watch the fruits of your work pay off?" And I did. I did miss the farm life, but I didn't know how much I missed my farm life. We left Billy with my mother, while Claire and I made our way back to my childhood home. The town had grown quite a bit, everything a modern family would need, and when finally we did reach the old farm, my eyes fell on the barn and a deep chill ran through me. You okay? Claire asked me in that sweet, concerned voice of hers. A goose walked over my grave, I suppose. The man who owned it most recently was a rich yuppie who thought about trying his hand at farm life. Couldn't live without the amenities of the modern man. Fully wired, plumbing, plenty of farming equipment, and completely new paint job and decor. Well, it wasn't my home anymore. Hadn't been for a very long time. After our tour, Claire got into the car and instantly spilled out her opinion. We need to buy this house. You really think so, honey? I do. I can work at the school in town. You can make a living here, growing corn, raising cows, and, well, doing whatever it is that farmers do. You really want to live here? I questioned. I did want to come back, but there was too much in my head screaming at me not to come back. Yes, she stared at me intently. She knew that it would crack, like always. She had that special kind of power over me. Well, I guess uh, then it's settled. It's ours. We settled in and we got our new life off to a good start. The land was good. The crops grew like weeds and Billy was taken liking to the open air. It wasn't much longer after our first harvest that Clara was late once again. We had her baby girl, Esther May Bronson, in the summer of 1953. She took after her mother in spades, a slice of the American dream. I found myself walking out to the railroad tracks every now and then. I don't know what I expected to see. Maybe it was sort of my way of trying to make sense of something so unbelievable. But I never did tell anyone. No, never once. I swear it. The devil and his hell-bound train were my secrets to keep. I wasn't crazy. I prayed to God I wasn't crazy. And sometimes late at night I hear a train whistle pierce out through the night. The slow chug, chug, chug pushing the metal beasts along those endless steel tracks. Sometimes... I swear, just under those whistles, I could hear screams. We led a fine life indeed. Billy was grown into a man before my very eyes, and Esther was blossoming into a beautiful young woman more and more every day. It was 1968. Another war was going on halfway around the world, but it didn't bother me none. Till Billy came to me and said he was going to join the army. "'He wanted to be a-fightin' for his country. "'Claire had a fit, as expected, but but he had his mind set, "'and he was damned if anybody was going to change his mind. "'We got his letters every week, and every week we'd write back. "'I was sleepin', and it came again. "'Well, the first time in years.' My father is standing over me holding his shovel, his eyes burning orange like coal. The shovel coming down on me before the scene melts away and I'm with Sandra. My lovely rotting Sandra in the hayloft, exposing herself to me in a morbid yet sexually enticing manner. You love me, don't you, Daniel? Well, you know I do. Her rotting lips formed the smile. Her gaping maw opened to reveal an unimaginable darkness. And from that darkness came a low whistle, slowly building into deafening screams. I woke up, sweating bullets and soaking my nightshirt and pants. I didn't have to use the bathroom. It was the whistle, cutting out into the night, calling me like a sailor to the rocks. I silently slipped from the bed down the stairs each step creaking slightly under my weight i slipped on my shoes flung the front door open and i started running the wind chilled me slightly in the autumn night air my mind raced with memories reaching out not from the corners and shadows of my home but from my mind reaching out and trying to hold me down and suffocate me It was the same as it had been all those years ago. The smoke plumed from the engine, fallen to the ground and lingering like a thick black fog. The deep metal glared back at me as I walked along the side of the great beast. And the devil, he stood outside of a car, watching me as I approached, his eyes burning brightly with excitement. Diamond, pearl, opal, and jade... (laughs) Ha ha, Danny boy has come back. Well, still no ticket, I see. His voice shuddered through me, but I pressed on. Why are you here? Oh, my, 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 my Danny boy. Well, we all have a job to do. (laughs) Ha ha, this is just my job. But why are you here? And in that moment, I heard my father sneaking into my voice a calm and quiet anger. Dad? A voice from inside the car rang out like a bell. Out of the open doorway stepped my son, Billy, clad in his official army gear and looking quite confused. Dad? Billy? The word got caught in my throat. I ran over and held him close to me, never wanting to let him go. Billy? Why are you why are you here on this train? Don't know. I remember my squad was walking through the jungle, and then there was this white flash, and I woke up on the train. What are you doing here? I don't quite know myself. I smiled lightly, squeezed him tighter. It's good to see you, boy. How touching... The devil spoke up. You have five minutes, Billy boy. The devil stepped into the car and made his way to the engine. And once I knew he was gone, I grabbed Billy's hand and tried to pull him away. Come on, son, we gotta get you home. He pulled away from me. No. Billy. Dad, if this is what everyone else on there is saying, then I can't leave. I can't, daddy. Well, we could go home right now. You know, tell your mother you're home and... No, I belong here and... Who knows, maybe this train just don't go to hell. Maybe it makes a stop off somewhere else. I don't know. Billy, I... Daddy, I heard from friends of mine who went home. They got problems, Daddy. I'd rather be dead than mangled and fucked up in the head. Well, I'm sorry for cussing. What's okay, son? We stood silently for a long moment, staring at each other, trying to think of all the words to say. All aboard! I love you, Billy. I love you, Dad. Goodbye now. That black metal behemoth pulled away from me once more, screaming down those endless steel tracks... I waved goodbye to my son long after the train was out of sight. Even after its screaming whine disappeared from the night air. I watched. Hell, I prayed. Just like every week, we got another letter. Only this time it wasn't from Billy. Claire, well, she was wrecked. She couldn't leave the house for days. Laying around and crying and Wailing that she should have kept him here, you know, kept him safe. She left me not more than a year after that. Said she couldn't stand looking at me and seeing Billy. I also know that she hated me. I couldn't join her in her sorrow, in her pain. Because I got to say goodbye. I got my closure. I don't blame her for hating me but to take my daughter away from me was just, was just cruel punishment and I haven't seen either of them in years, many years. Now I did the best I could. I tried to live life as best I could with what I had. I was a good father. I was a good son. I was a good husband. But none of that means a hill of beans in the long run though. We all end up in the cold, hard earth, feeding the maggots and creepy crawlies that haunt our nightmares. I could hear it now, the screaming, the screaming in the darkness calling out to me. I've seen a lot of things in my life, some things I'm more proud of than others. As a boy, nothing could satiate my appetite for the world around me. I suppose that there is just one last thing to figure out. The train is out there, and I finally got my ticket. Only thing left to do is to take a ride.